Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Well, we launched last night our brand new series called Journey Towards God. I began by last night by talking about the fact that life is a journey, and I'm arguing it is a journey towards God, and we need to not only try and work out what God is like by looking at the stuff God's made, God's creation, but also reading God's book. And that means taking a serious look at the Bible, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Now, last night I claimed that the Bible is the most powerful communications device in the universe, far cleverer than any electronic gadget on Star Trek. Open up the Bible... Open up your mind and you will hear from God, from the conscious, powerful, personal intelligence behind the universe. That's the claim that I'm making. Now, can that claim be tested? Yes, it can. Now, this involves treating the Bible as what is called a written witness and applying the tests that historians apply to any such witness. There are four tests. One, is this witness able to tell the truth? Two, is this witness willing to tell the truth? Three, do we have a reliable record of this written witness? And four, is there supporting external evidence? It's best to look at the first two of these together. You know, is this witness able to tell the truth? Is this witness willing to tell the truth? And you can understand why modern historians might ask them. Biased ancient writers might cover up blemishes and hide faults, and so might not be willing to tell the truth. Other ancient writers might lack reliable sources of information and might not be able to tell the truth with the best will in the world. So what about the human co-authors of the Bible? Is there evidence that they are both willing and able to tell the truth? Yes, there is. The human characters in the Bible are presented warts and all. Even the noblest of them, the heroes, are shown to fail. We see this in the two greatest figures in the Old Testament. Moses, forbidden to enter the promised land because of his failure to obey God. King David, shown falling into adultery and suffering for his crime. In the New Testament part of the Bible, the same honesty. Peter was one of the leaders of the early church, and yet his cowardly failure on the night he denied Jesus is recorded in painful detail. Those early followers were slow to understand who Jesus was and why he came. Later, of course, they understood. But still, they faithfully recorded how slow-witted they were early in the piece. Clearly, these writers are willing to tell the truth, even about themselves, even when that truth is uncomfortable. But are they able to tell the truth? We have the story of Jesus from eyewitnesses or from those who consulted eyewitnesses. The sources are sound. And I'll have more information about this as we get a bit further down this series and actually talk about Jesus himself and the records we have of him. But in the end, it's God's involvement that assures us most clearly that the Bible as a historical record is both willing and able to tell the truth. God is supremely well equipped to tell the truth. More able, in fact, than any other being, since God knows more than any other being. The technical word for this is omniscience. Omniscience. In other words, God knows all. And because he knows all, he is able to tell the truth. Furthermore, he is willing to do so. Truth is part of God's character. The call of conscience that every human being feels, the sense of justice that is universal, these are hints hidden in every human heart, that the underlying framework of the universe is moral, truthful. The co-author, to use my expression, of the Bible is the creator God. The source of the content of the Bible is the one who has more knowledge than all others, the one who is more upright and more truthful than all others. That makes this book a reliable witness, both willing and able to tell the truth.
The third question asks, do we have a reliable record of this witness? In other words, given that the Bible is an ancient document, originally written in ancient languages, has that ancient text been safely transmitted to us? When historians are judging ancient texts, you know, from the ages before the invention of printing, when, you know, back in the days when books were copied by hand, they ask two questions. How many copies are in existence? How old is the oldest of those copies? You see, back in the days when all documents were copied by hand, errors might creep in. So, when people today are seeking accuracy, they look for as many copies as possible. The more copies we have, the more those individual errors will cancel each other out. And the more certain we are that we've, we've got the original, we can reconstruct the original document. Those errors may accumulate over time, so the oldest surviving copies are closest in time to the events they record, and they're the important ones. That's what increases our confidence in the text. Now, by way of example, take Julius Caesar's History of the Gallic Wars. There are some nine ancient manuscript copies of that document still in existence. The oldest of those dates from around 900 years after the events it records. Now, that's taken by historians as being okay, pretty good. They judge that as being a good record. It's pretty typical, too. It's common to have around 10 copies of most ancient documents and common for the oldest to date to around about 1,000 years after the historical events recorded. By way of contrast, when it comes to the New Testament part of the Bible, we have not 10 copies, but 2,000. And the oldest portion of these dates back to less than 100 years after the time of Jesus. There is no set of ancient documents more secure than the Bible. To write off the Bible is to write off the whole of ancient history. So do we have a reliable record of this witness? Clearly we do. Well now, the final test asks, is there supporting external evidence for you know the story the Bible tells? And the answer is heaps, heaps and heaps. The more work is done by archaeologists, the more supporting external evidence there is for the Bible story. Look, for example, the Old Testament refers to a race of people called Hittites, H-I-T-T-I-T-E-S, Hittites. In the absence of any other references, unbelievers said, oh, there never was any such people. Until, until the year 1906, when a German archaeologist named Hugo Winkler discovered the ruins of Hattusha, the ancient Hittite capital. Bible right, critics wrong. The Old Testament talks about a Babylonian ruler named Belshazzar. Once again, in the absence of other records, the doubters said, oh, he never existed, just made up. The ruler of Babylon in the time period referred to, they said, was a certain King Nabonidus. Then, then the archaeologists dug up inscribed tablets in the ruins of the ancient city of Ur. These tablets record that King Nabonidus left his kingdom for several years, and while he was away, he left as ruler in his place his son, whose name was... Belshazzar. Bible right. Critics wrong. The more archaeology is done, the more support there is for the Bible story. The unbelievers said the Old Testament story of Joseph must be wrong because it refers to the Egyptians growing grapes. And, said the doubters, the ancient Egyptians never grew grapes. At least that's what they said until the discovery of a tomb painting in the city of Thebes showing Egyptians growing grapes and making wine. Another win for the Bible. When it comes to the story of Jesus, the evidence is overwhelming. For instance, there are supporting references to Jesus and to the followers of Jesus in the writings of ancient non-Christian historians like Josephus, Tacitus, Philo, uh, Pliny, Suetonius and others. And the places referred to in the Bible story are real places, the most important of which still exist today. 
You can travel to the Middle East and you can see Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Galilee, many of the other places mentioned in the Bible for yourself. Is there supporting evidence? Yes, heaps of it. We must conclude that this witness, this book called the Bible, is what it claims to be God's book. However, the real test is to read it for yourself. I said this last night, and it is true. You have to read it for yourself. The Bible speaks with its own authority. Now, let me pass on to you two intriguing facts that may encourage you to read the Bible. First, you should read the Bible to find out what all the fuss is about. The Bible is often described as the world's bestseller, which it is. It is the most widely distributed, widely translated, widely printed, widely purchased, widely read book in the world today. No compulsory textbook used by thousands of schools has ever sold more copies. No Tom Clancy or Wilbur Smith novel even gets close. For instance, if Tom or Wilbur were to be translated into, say, a dozen foreign languages, that would be good. Two dozen or three dozen would be excellent. By way of contrast, according to the most recent figures I could find, the entire Bible or parts of the Bible have been translated into 2,224 different languages and dialects. You should read the Bible to find out what the fuss is all about. And second, you should read the Bible to discover what makes this book indestructible. Over the centuries, there have been many serious attempts to drive the Bible out of existence, from the Roman Empire in the first century to the Soviet Union in the 20th century. All have failed. People have jailed Christians, they've burnt Bibles, they've smashed the printing presses on which the Bibles are being printed, but the Bible still lives. It is unstoppable. In the year AD 303, the Roman Emperor Diocletian ordered all copies of the Bible throughout the whole of his empire to be destroyed. He thought he'd succeeded. He even struck a coin that said, the Christian religion is destroyed. But it was Diocletian who died, not the Bible. In the 18th century, Voltaire was a famous French intellectual and enemy of the Bible. Voltaire predicted that within 100 years of his life, the Bible would be out of circulation forgotten, existing only as a curiosity on the dusty shelves of museums. But 50 years after his death, a printing press he had once owned was being used to print Bibles, and the house in which he had lived was a distribution centre for Bibles. The Bible is unstoppable. Now this is a clear hint that there is that behind the Bible which is not found behind any other book. Read it for yourself and find out. Uh, this series of programs has been published as a paperback book. So if you go to any Christian bookshop and say, may I have a copy of Journey Towards God by Kel Richards, you can have the whole lot. Tonight's script, which is part of chapter two of the book, or anything, the whole book. The whole of this series over the next three weeks, in fact, has been published as a paperback book and is available now in Christian bookshops. Uh, Journey Towards God by Kel Richards, published by uh, Beacon Communications. Okay, a thought for the night. Our thought for the night tonight comes from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. The Bible says, All of this makes us even more certain that what the prophets said is true. So you should pay close attention to their message, as you would to a lamp shining in some dark place. You must keep on paying attention until daylight comes and the morning star rises in your hearts. The prophets did not think these things up on their own, but they were guided by the Spirit of God. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.